This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. If I sound like I'm uh, kind of stuffy, it's not because of anything except nothing but hay fever. You know, everything that blows seems like a horticulture to be immune to everything. But Java, every time the wind blows, if it's got something floating in it, it goes right up my nose and gives me a hoarse throat. So I uh, hadn't just been whooping it up. I'm actually got fall hay fever. And it's not the goldenrod that's doing it. Goldenrod is starting to bloom everywhere. Uh, we see it in fine gardens. We see it on the roadsides. A lot of people, um, uh, they, they talk about it being a weedy plant. Well, it can spread, but, you know, so so can facial hairs if you're not careful. You just pluck them is all you do it. So, But when it comes to goldenrod, it is one of the top pollinator plants in the fall across the entire North America. It's a terrific plant. It's in the gold, It's in the same family as sunflowers and zinnias and marigolds. A few people are allergic to those kind of things. They're allergic to chrysanthemums. But in general, what's making a sneeze is not the goldenrod, which has heavy pollen that's carried from pl- flower to flower by pollinators. It's the ragweed. Sort of a generic thing. They say it's got yellow flowers, but you got to really look close. Just a generic green thing, and it, and it, all of its pollen floats in the air, and it's looking for me. So uh, ragweed is what's making a sneeze. Goldenrod is a terrific fall native wildflower, a fantastic pollinator plant, and a good cut flower, too. So anyway, we're going to be talking about uh, all sorts of stuff like that, but I'd like to mention a, a few things about native plants. I've got a couple of plants to talk about, some heirloom uh, uh, flowers. Um, a, a couple of edible things from the garden, and also the first, of, at least in central Mississippi, the first of the early fall colors. I'm starting to see ginkgos in town just begin to show a little yellow. Another week or so, they'll be completely golden. Another week, they're going to be bare. So it's going to be fall. So uh, anyway, we're going to be talking about just gardening for the next hour or so, but uh, I would like to uh, to get a, a lady who needs to step up to the microphone out there. Her name is Stacy. Stacy Wilson, the curator of exhibits at the Max. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning, Felder. How are you? Fine. Thank you for having me over here. Tell folks what. Why am I here? Well, you're here because you're at the Max. We're awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, what does what, what Max stand for? It's the Mississippi Arts Entertainment Experience. So we're a museum, but we're also an art center. We're also a we're so many things. We have classes. We have uh, concerts. Concerts. Uh, we have museum. We have our exhibitions, which feature over a hundred, two hundred famous Mississippians that most people don't even realize are from Mississippi. Oprah yep. Winfrey, uh, Muddy Waters, Elvis Presley. Well, people know that. Um. <laughs> but you, you also have some, some, uh, some, some. Uh, a, a lot of the stuff here is done by artists. Uh, a neighbor of mine in Jackson lives around the corner named Andrew Young. Who's a he's a he's just like me. He's a as a guy with kind of grayish hair, but he he makes stained glass and he did the stained glass window for your chapel. Yes, he does beautiful work. When it came time to get the glass for that exhibition, I looked all across the state and his name just kept popping up and set up a meeting and we were sold. He put so much emotion and belief behind his work. It's just beautiful. If you haven't seen it, you need to come on down to Meridian to see it. But well, also stop by his shop in Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I have some some of Andrew's glass art in my garden. It's not just bottle tree, but you have a little exhibit about me in there. We do. That's why you're here. <laughs> I mean, you've got a bottle tree. You've got Andrew Young, who's nationally known glass artist, and you got me and my bottle tree. 
If you're nationally known to you. Yeah, but still, for, for cheesy stuff. But, but, but the Max covers it all. And you've got uh, in here, and you're open for business. It's yes. a place people, you know, that as long as you got wear the mask and all like that. It's a beautiful contemporary building. It's spacious, right downtown. You can't miss it. Right by the railway railroad station, uh-huh. railroad station, <laughs> and really easy to get to. And this is a, a real gem for for the South, but it's right here in Meridian, Mississippi. So what else you got going on? You got special events coming on, don't you? We do. So we have two or three exhibits opening this weekend. Um, so we're celebrating that and we're starting kicking it off with Felder being here. We're celebrating folk art because we have upstairs on our education showcase, Pappy Kitchens, the saga of the red eyed rooster. He's a folk artist. Um, and the exhibit is printed, presented by William Dunlap. It will be up on display until March. Let's see, I'm flipping through papers. March 7th, 2021. So come down and see it. I'll read a little bit about it. Uh, O.W. Pappy Kitchens was a, was a building contractor, house mover, and accomplished storyteller who, after he sold his business and retired, discovered that he was also an artist. He began to draw and sketch, and he found that he really liked it. So he says, I am a folk artist. I paint about folks and what folks see and what folks do. So it's a really interesting exhibit upstairs. And then we also have Deliberately Distorted, the Pottery of George E. Orr. Oh, yeah. Orr is from Mississippi down on the coast. And so we had a private collector uh, reach out and said he had this beautiful collection that's never been seen. So we partnered with him and we have the opening today and we have a, a panel discussion tomorrow with the with me, I'll be moderating, and we'll have Dr. Ellen Lippert. She is a professor of art history at Theo College, and she's an Orr scholar. And then we'll have Doug Myatt, who is a the curator at the Orr O'Keefe Museum down on the coast. And then we we'll also have Tony uh, Lewis, who is our historian and museum educator. So it'll be uh, wow. fun-filled day. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on. Well, let me ask you this. I'm doing a pr- presentation Saturday you are. on yard art, the good, the bad, and the unbelievable. Yes. But we because of the, 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 the Rona, <laughs> we can't have as many people in there, but people can tune in on, is it Facebook or what? Yes, we will be uh, streaming it live on our Facebook page. So we hope that people can watch it from there. And then also the plant swap will be in the courtyard. So we have this big, beautiful courtyard that a lot of people can social distance. So if you want to come by with around, you think, 11-ish, people yeah, can around come 11. and partic- yeah, participate. Br- yeah, bring a plant. I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit. but uh, And it's, it's outside. So, you know, as long as you wear a mask, we're, we're all cool about we're it. And we'll cool. have some fun. But um, is Facebook, what's uh, Facebook? What is our Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, MS Arts. <laughs> MS Arts. Yes. M Sarts. <laughs> yes, well, I have one more thing. Can I mention? I almost forgot. Absolutely. You're the boss, lady. <laughs> so during COVID, we launched an art contest called Art Without Walls, and we encouraged students to submit um, artwork that they've been doing during while everyone's out of school. Well, that exhibit also opens tomorrow, and there is two women, two young ladies work, um, Iris Bernard and Josie Thompson, and they are in our permanent exhibit upstairs. That's where their exhibit is right now on display. They will be here around 11 for a little opening. And I'm just really excited for these girls, really talented, and the artwork is just amazing. Fantastic. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, you know, ever since this place, before it opened, I was coming over here, and I was thinking, wow, this is this is not Mississippi. You know, this is this is is 
International Quality Museum. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, it's not a compliment. It's an observation. It's a statement of fact. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Stacy. I thank really appreciate you. it. Bye. And, folks, we're going to be talking uh, about uh, gardening. But, anyway, if you get a chance to come downtown Meridian anytime, it's a terrific experience here. But, hey, we're here to talk about gardening, though. And uh, right now we've got a fellow from Collinsville named Kennedy. Hey, Kennedy, good morning. Thanks for calling. Well, hey, Felder, this is her teacher right now. This is Mr. Poe. Oh, okay. Howdy. Doing good. How are you, bud? We're doing our Felder, our Fridays with Felder today. And Kennedy has a gardening question for you in science class. Okay. Great. Right, Kennedy, Kennedy. How, old, how old are you, Kennedy? Hey, how are you? I'm fine. How old are you? How old am I? Yep. I'm 12. Okay. And you having a good time so far, or are you just stuck in school on a pretty day? <laughs> no, I'm doing good. Good. Well, what, 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 can you, what, what you want to share? What you got? Okay, so my teacher raises rabbits for their manure for his garden. And apparently rabbit manure is a cold manure, so he knows that he can put it straight in his garden. But if yeah. he decides to compost it over the winter, will it, will it lose its compost? I mean, it will it lose its nutrients? That's a really good question, Kennedy. What happens when you put stuff in a compost? It breaks down into basic components, which are you know, nutrients of what we call fertilizer. Manure has already done that. You know, so in, in other words, manure is... Uh, is animal composting you know they just cut to the chase outside you stack stuff up and it happens slowly over time with bacteria and fungi um so anyway to, to answer your question it's already broken out as much as going to but it will dissolve over the winter and its nutrients will get caught up in the other compost and in other words it's not likely to wash out so it'll be spread out among the leaves and the other stuff that's composted there's no real reason to, to to mix it in with other stuff but it does provide some of the nutrients that the compost, what makes compost happen is bacteria and fungi, and they like the nutrients that's in the manure, so the manure will actually speed up the the other compost stuff, and it'll all gel together, and next spring have a wonderful fertilizer. Okay. Was that, was that too much? No, okay, it wasn't. The, answer, the, the answer is no. It won't, dissolve, it, it won't wash away. Okay. <laughs> You know, and as usual, if y'all have got some more questions like that, want a little bit more detailed stuff, shoot me an email. He knows how to get in touch with me. Okay. Is that it? Yes. Okay. Well, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, so we got folks who are, who are working on, on stuff from, from class, classroom stuff. And uh, I w might, would like to remind folks, it's a call-in program. If you've got some things you'd like to yak about, it's toll-free, one eight seven seven. MPB ring. Java, what's been going on with your kids during all this? Your wife's a teacher. She teaches from home, right? Yeah, she's actually at home teaching her high schoolers at the same time monitoring our pre-K uh, daughter and our elementary uh, age school son. So she has her hands full and um, I can go on record and say she's greatly appreciated. <laughs> yeah, And then she has to put up with you. Well, I wasn't going to bring all of that, but, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty well, easy. Listen, listen we've got a, a you, you got the, the cheesy tune I sent, didn't you? Yeah, and it's uh, quietly uh, uh, appropriate for where you are. We'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, before, yep. we, before we take our first break, Felder, I did want to go on the record and say I am kind of kind of jealous because you're in uh, pretty meridian right now, and I'm in this studio doing what oh, I do. Hey. 
Java, I'm see, I see you. You can't see me. I see you sitting in the studio, but you should see me. I'm in a box in a studio that's tighter than where you are. So I'm not in beautiful Meridian. I'm in a glass box. <laughs> you in a glass case this morning. <laughs> in, the, in the bowels of the max. But I would like to mention this. We have a live audience. You know, there's folks. There's, you know, they're all socially but it might be some of them have a garden question. But folks, if you want to give us a call and chat about garden it's toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring a job you think we could go to uh, i guess when we come back from this we're gonna have uh, them lined up yes sir okay well folks give us a call but we're gonna uh, talk with rick griffin landscape architect who does quirky stuff in the yard when we come back in there but it is your call so give us a call lot load them up we'll get to you just as soon as we can i'm horticulture's fellow rushing java chapman and all the other folks at mpb and here at the max and meridian we're going to have a little, we're going to get dirty in a minute. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Welcome back, Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. We're uh, broadcasting live from the Max over Marina. Cool, cool place. Uh, and we want to take your calls. We've got some lines open if you want to give us a call. Toll free, one eight seven seven mpb ring And uh, while we're waiting on that, I want to talk with, uh, with an old friend of mine named Rick Griffin. Rick, are you with us? I sure am. Hey, man. Uh, landscape architect extraordinaire. You've been in Southern Living. I don't know how many times, all these magazines and stuff, but I got to say, between you and me, we've got a, about the trashiest gardens in our neighborhoods. I will definitely agree with that on mine. <laughs> but, but but both of us have it fenced out so the neighbors can't quite see what we got going on. You're you right. That's, that's what I do. So they're not a, they're not so offended, and I am more conservative in the front yard, and so are you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you have to be, but uh, you know, you live in a in a, a real tight neighborhood i live in a real loose neighborhood but both of us tend to plant what we want where we want how we want when we want and we tend to over accessorize but because of you we both in your training as a landscape architect we both have people places we have you know you can get around easily you don't have to worry about you know watching your step in other words the architecture is in place and you help me a lot on that and the plants a lot of texture shape sizes something every week of the year but i wanted to, to get your take on garden art about the importance of accessorizing and making it pretty yes definitely i love my accessories and i would say this sometimes i actually try to make them functional or at least look functional or in yeah, a, a gate can I be love pretty hand paint my birdhouses <laughs> So, when, but when it comes to to art, is it just art for art's sake, or is it something that you you deliberately put out there to create a, a mood or a feeling or a statement? Well, number one, I like to create a mood because my my garden, like yours, is a place people want to stay. When people visit my house, they don't want to stay in the house; they want to go outside on the porch and they want to walk through the garden. And and that's what you want them to do. You want them to. Enjoy that space. One of the problems I have is everybody that gets married or engaged or anything else wants to have their party at my backyard. 
<laughs> well, and, and, and it works too, but when it comes to, to adding artwork for accent or to create a focal point or to draw the eye or do a mood, do you yeah. think about what you're going to do ahead of time? You know, Louis the Fourteenth had all those naked gods and goddesses at Versailles, but you know, do you think ahead of time what you want when you when you because a lot of people don't know how to put art in their garden. Well, I do think about it, but then when I start, it usually changes. It's just what makes me feel good, and a lot of times I will sit something. For instance, the other day <clears throat> I found an old broken bent rail that someone one of my clients was throwing away rick and you live in too, you live in too nice neighborhood to be a dumpster diver <laughs> well you and i've been famous for that lots of times but i've been carrying that around in my garden and trying to figure out where it would look best and you know a lot of times i'll see pieces for instance i'll see a really pretty flower pot it makes a statement and then i move it around for several days till I find out where it looks best. And one of my things that I just dearly love, and as you know, my yard is full of it, is birdhouses. Mm -hmm. And the neat thing about the birdhouses, I can get them up high so they don't compete with my art down on the ground. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just, it, it brings excitement. It brings personality to a garden. A lot of people are afraid to put, to express themselves. Uh, parting shot, what would you, what would you say to people who have just, uh, I'm not going to say ordinary, uh, but just a, a garden without art. What would you say to encourage somebody about doing artistic stuff? Well, I would say this, you know, don't be afraid. Don't think it has to be color. A lot of times it could be shapes and forms. It does not. Everybody thinks of art as being red, purple, green, and orange. And even though I have that, a lot of times my art is just black. But it, it creates a shape or a form. Biggest thing is I like borders on my, you know, on my flower beds and tend to use bottles as as borders, which really makes a statement as far as a form. But it, but it could just be something chunky like a birdhouse or a piece of yeah, or, a, or, or, yeah. or a bird bird bath or a rock or a piece of driftwood or something like that. Right, and, and if you're a, like to make things, you know one of the funniest things I'm doing now is taking little little and big rocks and painting them. So if you walk through my garden, you look down on the side and you see a rock, but it's painted to look like a frog. <laughs> and then you see another one is painted to look like a bird. And you, you do a second take, you look at it, and you think, that's not a frog. That looks like a frog. But yeah. it's a piece of art that makes you feel good. It makes you smile. And, you know, that's important. And it's important. It's well, listen, important. man, we, we got a bunch of callers to, to jump to, but I just wanted to, 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 because I'm talking about yard art tomorrow, and I'm going to show some of your stuff in it. Uh, and I just wanted to, to let people hear of celebrated Lancey Farkadag, who does funky stuff in his yard and feels okay about it and gets well, away you. with it. Good okay, to talk to you. Thank you so much, Rick. I appreciate that. 
Uh, by the way, Rick, is he helped design my little cabin in the backyard, and he's trying to talk me into a really funky birdhouse uh, on my new porch, so we'll see what happens there. But anyway, uh, we're here at MPB Java. We got any callers on the line? Oh, yes, sir, Felder. We have a full bank, and our first call is from a lady in Fulton, uh, Miss Becky. Becky in Fulton. Hey, Becky. Good morning. Thank you for holding. Thank you. I just want to know about... Uh irises and daffodils and spring flowers is now the time to plant the bulbs and that sort of stuff or what you know i, I other than just the, your regular fall stuff mums and all that kind of stuff i just was trying to figure out if if now would be a good time to plant bulbs it, it is spring blooming bulbs start growing their roots in the fall and then they send up leaves in the late fall or early winter then they bloom so uh you know the earlier you get them in starting about now you know, the stronger they'll be before we get some winter. You know, Fulton, you're on up there in the icebox, a cold part of the state. And so you want these plants to get established, put some leaves up, and kind of toughen up before it gets cold. So daffodils, tulips, tulips need to be uh, put in the refrigerator a little bit. But there's no rush on getting these out. But the quicker you get them out, the sturdier they'll become winter. Uh, irises, you can plant those any time of the year. But the spring-blooming bulbs, uh, uh Grape hyacinth, daffodils, things like that. Let's go and even garlic. Garlic is a terrific plant. It's got a great big softball-sized flower in the springtime. A lot of people don't think about garlic as a flowering bulb, but you plant all those things sometime in October, early November. Okay, thank you. All right, appreciate it. Thanks for your call. Uh, now we're going to talk to Kathy, who is on the road. Where are you, where are you, Kathy? Hey, Felder, I'm in between my stores, so I love hearing your show. Well, I love MPB altogether. Y'all bring well, joy to me. Well, I have for- one comment, and I have a question, and then I'm going to hang up and listen. But my comment, number one, is don't you just enjoy those red flowers, I forget the name of them, that pop up around this time of year. You pass spider- the road. Spider lilies, you bet. Oh, they're if- gorgeous. And this is the time to get them, Kathy, while you can see them. But here, here's yeah. the deal. If, if you're going to get some, cut the flower off and hold it up in one hand so people who are driving by think you're just making some cut flowers and then dig the bulb and put it in another hand and they won't think you're stealing bulbs. I'd be tempted to stop everywhere and do that. I'm going to have to make sure I put a little garden shovel bag up in the back of here so I can be able to do that. That's a, a classic yeah. pass along. A real hardcore gardener is always going to have a shovel and a plastic bag. That's but this, true. Is, the, this true. is a good time to dig them. They're already starting to grow the roots. If you want to get some, now's the time while you know where they are. But put them, as soon as you get, plant them as soon as you can because they're already starting to grow. Yeah, I passed somebody's uh, yard yesterday and they had them lined up along their fence all the way from one end going around the corner to the other end. And I thought that was just gorgeous. So, Good. yeah. Well, yeah but, what, what's, what's, what's your question? Okay, my question is, right now, you know, with the cold weather moving in, a lot of us have plants like ferns and these different flowers that, you know, can come back next year or that can carry on throughout the winter. And uh-huh. I get, like, in a panic state because with some of them bringing them in, I might have to change the soil a little bit to make sure it's not bugs in it and stuff. I just want to uh, hang up and know your advice on bringing okay. your uh, flowers and whatever inside. Okay, Kathy, I'll, I'll do that. Appreciate your call. Thanks for joining this party. 
Uh, and she's want to know about getting ready to bring stuff in. You know, typically, we start getting a little cold weather around state fair time. It's chilly right now, but usually about halfway through the state fair, people start panicking a little bit. And then they make plans to bring stuff in, but always right the, the, the afternoon before a hard freeze, everybody's frantically throwing stuff in. What I would do ahead of time is uh, clean them up a little bit, get the leaves and stuff out of the potting soil, water them really good to make sure there's not a lizard or some fire ants or something like that in it. And, uh, you know, cut, you know, sort of clean them up a little bit. Maybe put them outside, put the hose on them, dust them off really good. Uh, and some of the big plants, like weeping figs and things, when you bring those in, they typically, and, and hibiscus, they tend to drop their leaves when you bring them in because of the change in light and temperature and humidity. I cut mine back. Mine look like hat racks. If you're old enough to know what a hat rack is, I cut my, my, my weeping fig and my rubber tree and uh, the hibiscus, I cut them back to where they don't have a leaf left on them. Bring them in. Instead of having a mess of cleanup for several weeks, they put out new growth that likes it indoors. So clean them up, clean the pot up, water them really good, rinse them off, and the big plant, prune them back. And if you get started on it ahead of time, you want, you know, there's something else you need to do the hour before a hard freeze comes in. But anyway, appreciate that a whole bunch. Uh, We do have a cheesy tune coming up, and we'll go up to Sardis and talk with Bubba. Hey, Bubba, good morning. Hey, Felder. Thanks for taking my call, man. Heck yeah. What's up? Well, I call with a grass question, and then my lady reminded me she's got a question. So let's go ladies first. We've okay. got a little Jim Magnolia that did bloom one time. We got it on record with a picture, and they haven't bloomed since. Uh, so can you tell me how or what might be the problem? We get about four hours of morning sun, and then it passes over my house. You know, little little Jim is a, it's a variety that will repeat blooming. All it's a, it's the longest blooming one. They don't always have a whole lot of flowers, but um, it might just be that yours isn't quite getting the sunshine it needs. It might also have root problems and staying a little bit too wet or maybe too dry part of the year. Anything that weakens a plant, it's gonna you know it's gonna conserve energy. So as long as it's not staying too wet and too dry, I would suspect it's just not getting quite enough sunshine. To, to get the energy to keep flowering. But they, how long has this been in the ground, Bubba? About five years. Yeah, it should be established by now. Um, should I prune it? No, nah, I wouldn't prune You know, you could prune it. It's like a big bush. But, uh, you know, I would just, you know, put something else underneath it. That way when it blooms, it's great. When it doesn't bloom, you got something else to think about. Good call. Okay. Thank uh, you. Uh, uh, hey, hey, next time, next time you're uh, you're up in in Memphis or down in Jackson, go to one of these craft stores and get you some little fake flowers and tie on there. She won't know about it. Oops, <laughs> oh, is she, she, is she listening? <laughs> is she <laughs> listening? <laughs> Oops. Sorry about. Okay, I take it back. Take it back. Anyway, what you got, Bubba? Okay, so we're in the hill country, as you know. We got a lot of rocks, and I've got patches, pretty big patches, that get four or five hours of direct sun. But I've never tried to go grow grass. I'm gonna really go at it over the winter. I'm, I'm throwing out some winter rice so we can get the, you know, the, the roots kind of down, and then hopefully I'll get a, a seed in the spring that'll really take. And I don't know if Bermuda or St. Augustine or what you might recommend from seed. Well, basically, give me the process from this winter to next spring. Uh, what yeah. would be the best way to get, or am I okay. just fooling myself? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Here's the deal. Ryegrass, as long as your trees drop the leaves in the winter, right? They're deciduous trees. Yes, we got a few pines, yeah. but it gets real good sun well, in the winter. You, you, you grow ryegrass in the winter because it gets sunshine in the winter. Plant it sometime this month. Just wet it down. You don't have to water it. Just wet it down to the seed sprout. Then water it a little deeper and skip a day. In other words, tease it once it sprouts. 
start watering a little bit more deeply and less often to get roots down. Uh, and after it's been up a little bit, then give it a little bit of fertilizer, just a little bit. Um, and that'll get you through the wintertime. Unfortunately, St. Augustine doesn't come from seed. You, you can get rare type of St. Augustine seed, but it's really not that great. So uh, uh, there's, not a, there's not a grass that'll take more shade than St. Augustine. Centipede, so-so. Uh, but the rule of thumb I learned when I studied turf management at Mississippi State and what the professors at LSU taught me, and what I've lo- seen for 40 years, if you've got more than 50% shade, you're out of the grass business. Uh, <laughs> if you've got grass in the shade, you can keep it alive. Uh, if you mow real high and don't push it too much. Uh, mm-hmm. But once it's gone, for whatever reason, trying to get it reestablished uh, in one season doesn't get, have enough time to get enough energy to get started. So once it's gone in the shade, it's gone for good. And that's the reason somebody invented monkey grass you're right i'm gonna try yeah. to mute to see what happens Bro, okay well listen i don't call me because <laughs> okay. i'm telling you bermuda grass requires sun if you want to do it just because you're an american and we're gonna make it happen go for it but if it doesn't work don't call me back <laughs> no i won't be upset you said it it's on record okay well, half, half, the, the idea is have fun though oh no doubt appreciate it man <laughs> I might have come across a little arrogant on that one, Jav. I don't know. We got time to take another call before we do the cheesy tune? Yes, uh, Kristen in Oxford, she's been holding on very long, and she has some sick camellias. Kristen, thank you for holding. What's up? Sure thing. Thanks, Felder. I've got a row of uh, Sasanqua camellias, five of them, and the one in the middle has lost all of its leaves and looks completely dead. I'm almost certain it's dead. And yeah. the ones on either side are starting to get the leaf problem. The leaves go bronze, sort of, and then fall off. And on the underside, they're speckled with brown. Yeah. Uh, camellias, uh, Sasanqua, Japonica, even the Chinese that we make tea out of, uh, they're susceptible to, uh, to to mites, to scale insects. There's a type of scale that's called the tea scale because it gets on tea plants and camellia plants. And uh, it's really pretty common. They make the top of the leaf look kind of stippled or speckled a little bit, and it's crusty on the bottom. Uh, And this is real common. Uh, It can weaken a plant. And if they've got some other kind of problem, like they're staying a little too wet part of the year, a little too dry part of the year, they're in really bad dirt, and they just don't have good roots, this can push them over the edge. Uh, Usually it doesn't kill them. It just makes the older leaves look bad and fall off, and the new growth in the spring looks fine. Uh, you can treat for scale by spraying in the wintertime with a stuff called dormant oil. It's a, it's, a, it's a natural product. Dormant oil sprayed on the bottom of the leaves covers them up and suffocates them. It's a terrible way to die, but scale is scale. So uh, anyway, that's the, that's the main treatment for scale insects, spraying the underside of the leaves with dormant oil in the wintertime. Um, the, the plant that is dead, scratch the bark, and if it's not bright green right under the bark, it, it is dead. And like I said, not likely the scale killed it. More likely it was a combination of things that, that weakened it. And I would think about root or trunk problems. Make sure nobody's hit it with a lawnmower or the string trimmer because that, even one time, that can stun a plant for life or kill it. Okay. And, uh, and, if, and if you like this, this ankle, try again. You know, this time dig a deeper, uh, excuse me, a wider hole. And be sure when you set a plant out, you loosen the roots up. Uh, dig a wide hole, loosen the roots so that they can spread out into your dirt. Uh, a lot quicker. And uh, one last thing is, as I learned this from Rick Griffin, I interviewed a little while ago, anytime you have a row of something, the third on the end is going to die or look bad. That's just the rule of thirds. 
And so since you've got those, you know, think about where the one that's died died. Put something else in the thing. Or put a, a bird bath or, you know, something else in there. So it's not so obvious that they aren't – it's hard to keep symmetrical in the garden is what I'm saying. That's where mixing up different shapes and textured plants or doing garden art or something like that really helps. A statue will take your mind off everything else. All right. Thanks, Felder. Okay. It's, you sound kind of resigned. i got to admit, Kristen, you sound kind of down. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, these are against the edge of a porch, um, and I don't, I can't put anything else there. But, but I mean, I understand what you're saying. That would, I get it. Well, well you, if you get a chance, take it, take a picture and shoot it I, to me. Actually, I did. I emailed you four photos about a week and a half ago. Oh, I, I'm, I'm at least a week and a half behind on that stuff. Okay, well, look for well, six million, and you'll see my pictures. Okay, thanks, Christian. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, folks, I'm broadcasting live from the Max. We've got a studio audience, uh, and I'm going to go out and chat with them during this tune. I chose this tune because it's a poignant song. I spend a lot of time outside the state. I'm born and, and raised in Mississippi. I'm a Mississippi son. I've been here for a long time. My kids are Mississippian. My grandparents, great, 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 since the 1700s, 1800s. And I think of this song a lot. But I chose an artist, a guy who is known worldwide as the father of country music, from Meridian, Mississippi, a guy named Jimmy Rogers. And he's, uh, the, the Jimmy Rogers Museum is right across the street from the Max. And uh, I thought it'd be good to play a tune by a local guy uh, that's real poignant for folks like me who really like where we live. We're going to take a real quick break. Me and Java Chapman and the other folks here at Mississippi Bar Public Broadcasting and uh, take your calls after this. Days of yours 
MPB is known around the country for having one of the nation's top children's education programs. It's an award-winning model for how to give kids a leg up as they enter pre-K and kindergarten. The reason? Because Mississippians care about our children and invest in MPB to make sure the funds are there to do this important work. MPB is in our fall fundraising campaign. Your financial support will help our education team serve kids from early childhood into the teenage years. Do your part right now at mpbonline.org. MPB and you, let's do this together. Studio audience, sorry. Oh, Java, how you been, man? Is this working out okay for you? Yeah, I've been. Yeah, I've, I've been. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I just fine. know I that um, you're having a good time at the max. <laughs> I am. I am. You know, we we have you know got folks out in the audience, and I'm having to. I had to to brush my hair and everything. I forgot to put on a belt this morning, but, you know, I forgot. And uh, it's it's so funny because, you know, that cliche about having a face made for radio. That's what I was just about to bring up. Normally it's, uh, you know, we just, we're in the studio. It's just us. But now we have company. <laughs> I, I ran into a fella. I was giving a talk in Mobile, Alabama, and some guy came up to me and said, Felder, you don't really look like I thought you'd look. And I said, every time I look in the mirror, I think the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, we we got callers on the line? Uh, yes, we do. We have a full bank, and let's start off in Summit with Avery. Hey, Avery, what's going on down in Pike County? Well, I'm doing a little uh, clearing of brush today. Um, I've got a what we call a sweet olive tree, and I would oh, like sweet. to I would like to spread it around a little bit. And I'm wondering how I can do it. Can I cut shoots and uh, plant them uh, in the soil and and have success with it? Well, sort of. Every sweet olive that's grown anywhere on Earth is grown from a cutting, but evergreen plants is a general rule of thumb. If they stay evergreen. They root best from small cuttings taken in early to mid-summer and brooded in pots and then set out. Uh, this time of year, they don't have enough time to grow good roots before wintertime. So uh, if you want to take cuttings, the best time is going to be after the new growth comes out in the spring. It kind of toughens up a little bit, you know, looking at late May, June, July. And they root, the small cuttings root pretty quickly then. Okay. Well, good. Well, thanks a lot. You answered my question. <laughs> Hey, by the way, does yours have white flowers, or some have golden or yellow flowers? Uh, golden flowers. Wow, that that is, that is one of the most. Fra- it was the same color as that moon last night. Beautiful yeah. moon. When I looked at it, I'm thinking that's the same. Believe it or not, that's actually the kind of conversation horticulturists have with each other. Does that moon look like a golden sweet olive? <laughs> it was I'm, beautiful. I had I'm, a campfire last night to watch it. I'm not making this up. What a good and one sweet olive will fill up a whole neighborhood with fragrance. Right. Well, that's uh, I was about 50 yards from it uh, yesterday, and I could smell it. So it's uh, brings back a lot of memories. Well, if if you're if you're clearing out stuff like that, I don't need to tell you. Watch out for copperheads this time of year. Watch your feet. Oh yeah. All right. Appreciate you talking. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, before we go to this next caller, I want to mention I brought a uh, I, I want this young man who's in the audience who came from Atlanta, Georgia to hear this. Is that right? That's right, Felder. Move up a little bit closer. What was your name? Will. Will, and you're you're home 
from New Zealand staying with your mom because of the coronavirus. That's correct. And y'all came over from Atlanta for this. Yeah. You need to get a life. You know that? <laughs> well, we got family in Meridian. My mom's from here. Okay, okay. Well, listen, the reason I want to ask you this because, uh, you know, I always bring in stuff to talk about. And people may not trust me in Java because we work together. But I brought in a, a bean from my garden that I've been growing. It's called sword bean or jack bean. And I'm going to tell people that it's, you can't put your hand all around. And I'm going to say it's a, how, you measured it. How long is it? 12 inches. Okay. So when I say I got a foot-long bean, you're my witness that I'm not making this up, right? That's correct. Well, I opened this thing. It was full of these great big thumb-sized beans. And uh, why don't you take some of those back with you and, and, uh, and plant them next year? I really appreciate that. Thanks. So, so why did y'all come over here? Here as in Meridian or? To this program. <laughs> Well, we listen to you every weekend because we love gardening, and my mom's real proud of her hometown, Mississippi in general. So, well, but 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 you were born and raised in Atlanta, right? No, I was uh, born and raised a military kid, so I moved around little, all over the little, place, little. and I kept doing it. Well, you, 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 we got good weather, so I hope y'all enjoy it. If you get a chance, you know, there's an old cemetery here in Meridian called Rose Hill, mm-hmm. and they got the the grave of the king and the queen of the gypsies. Yes. You know about that? Yes. Okay, it's a cool, cool place. But if you're looking at it, if you're facing a gray, right behind you is one of the biggest Confederate rose shrubs in the state. You know Confederate rose? Mm-mm. Great big pink flowers that bloom just this time of year, uh, and they root like ringing a bell. So get some cuttings and take them back to, to, uh, to Georgia with you. That sounds like a good plan. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming over. Thank you so much. All righty. Uh, who, so I, I do have these big beans, Java, you've seen them, but I had to have a witness for them. They're big. Yeah. That was pretty cool because we do, I guess, work in, uh, cahoots. <laughs> well, I, I brought a bean and I brought a, a tape measure for him to measure it. So anyway, who, who got on the line? Uh, well, you know, it's Mississippi public broadcasting, but we tap Alabama. So let's go to, uh, Mobile, Alabama and speak with John. Hey, John, what's going on? You're in Baldwin County, right? Uh, yes, sir, Felder. Uh, I am, and um, I had discovered I had more to ask than uh, I thought I did, but I'll, I'll make it quick. Like, it's been 19 days since Hurricane Sally came and uh, really messed up the county. And yeah. mostly what it killed was uh, trees. No fatalities, yeah. just lots of green stuff. Yeah. And um, one... Two, two things I lost was a cedar tree right outside my bedroom window. Big old thing, uh, 40 feet tall if it's an inch. And then uh, some little flowering thing uh, outside uh, the other corner of the house. And uh, it was dying for years anyway, as the saying goes. And uh, the hurricane took it out when the uh, branch from the cedar came over on top of the house. No damage, apparently, to the house. You know, I was blessed. But, so, so what are we gonna do about it? Uh, I'm sorry. What are we gonna do about it? Uh, that's what I'd like to ask you because this cedar um, dropped all these needles. There were mats on the roof of the house, and the soil uh, on that side of the house was acidified, so nothing would grow. Can you yeah. suggest what I might replace it with? Something that'll drop its leaves in the winter and have uh, foliage in the summer to protect from the summer sun. That. Cedar was great for that, except yeah, for the Yeah, and, and plus is evergreen. Uh, by the way, what did you do with the cedar trunk? You didn't have it cut up and hauled off, did you? 
the cedar trunk is uh, mostly intact, but it's sitting right out in front of the house in kind of a barricade at the curb with all the other branches and everything, and I've been reducing the pile, you know, but I haven't touched the trunk. Is it good for anything? Absolutely. Cedar it makes one of the finest, long-lasting, beautiful, old-fashioned bottle trees you can imagine. You stand that baby up someplace and stick some bottles on the ends of the branches, and people are going to talk about you, but, hey, they're going to talk about you anyway. If you uh, put it cedar makes a beautiful bottle tree. I, I'm well, just saying, you know. If, if, I, I'm afraid that the, the trunk is lying on a side and it's denuded, you know, there no branches on it. You um, mean just on one side or all the way around? Pretty much all the way around. Yeah. Well, so, it's, I just hate to see a good cedar pole go to waste. Uh, but, me uh, too. Anyway, I mean, anyway to, to answer your question, a couple of trees that grow really well on the coast that that'll take the you know, uh, you know those kind of conditions are less likely to blow over. One is sort of a rounded small tree. I mean, it'll make a medium-sized tree, but it's pretty fast growing at first. Um, and it's called some people call it. Oh, I'm drawing a total blank. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, it's a. Uh, it's, uh, um, until we can have to pay it. I, I'll tell you the other one, and maybe I'll think of the first one. Cypress tree, bald cypress. You put them five or six, seven, eight, ten feet out from your house. Cypress trees are really fast growing. They're straight. They don't blow over in storms. They drop their needles. Uh, real pretty rusty red fall colors, and so they don't make a leaf litter problem. But they'll grow in any kind of condition. They're fast. Uh, they're pretty. Uh, they got a nice green color. They give good, fast, tall shade, and uh, and I, I I just think ball cedar is a great one. The other one is Chinese uh, Drake elm. Elm. Some people it's either Chinese or Siberian elm, but it's called Drake G D R A K E Drake elm. It's a nice rounded tree, pretty fall colors, and the the bark is the most beautiful mottled orange and brown. But uh, and it's, uh, these are available. But if you put like a Drake elm, they're fast-growing shade trees. They're small. They don't tend to blow over as much as other things. Uh, and consider some, uh, a group of bald cypress trees. They're awfully nice. So that first one was bald cy- <coughs> bald cypress, and then yeah, Drake elm. Yeah, Drake okay. elm. Some people call it. I don't remember the Siberian or Chinese elm. But anyway, if you Google Drake D R A K E elm, it's a really popular tree. Um, the other question uh, I had, and maybe a comment, was uh, I had the uh, cedar removed in uh, two stages. The first one, I thought they were going to remove it for the price that uh, we settled on, the whole thing. No, they just removed the stuff that had fallen over, you know, and was in the yard and so forth. Yeah. They brought in a tracked vehicle, and um, it's Pulled not it a up big and- yard, but it looks like, uh, you know, the Army has been through there. Yeah, they booked your yard up, uh, and they should have fixed that. You know, they're 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 not what I call conscientious contractors, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you can go to equipment rental places that rent this thing. It's a cylinder, like an old push mower. It's a cylinder. You fill it with water and you just roll it back and forth. It's like smoothing a bedspread. And when the ground is moist, it'll smooth right out. Uh, but it, go ahead, sir. But if you want to fill stuff in, try to, to, to match the kind of dirt you've already got. You know, don't fill it up with 
potting soil or thing like that. Try to come up with something that's similar to what you've already got so the grass will have the same kind of roots in both the, the old ruts and the other stuff. But that, other than smoothing it out and filling it up with pretty good dirt, not, not compost, that's about all you can do. Okay. Uh, let's see. The, um, you know, in the talking that the neighbors did uh, after the storm, nothing to do. Uh, somebody commented that this soil was like two, uh, three or four inches maybe of uh, growing soil, and then the rest was kind of a pasty clay, yeah. that kind of thing. I, and I, it I'm, just, be... try, I'm just saying try your best to match the kind of dirt so you don't have streaks of grasses different colors because growing a different kind of dirt. That's okay. all I'm saying. It's more of a concept than a recipe. And uh, do you think since the yard is now newly open um, with a whole lot of – open air, uh, do you think it might be a good time to start a garden? There's room for, I'd say, at least two rows of something. Could could very well be, but we're running out of time. Shoot me an email okay. and let's take it from there. Thank let's you very much, Felder. You bet. Uh, by the way, let me remind folks that I'm giving a program at the MAC tomorrow, Saturday, uh, 10 o'clock, and uh, we're going to be talking uh, about yard art, and if you can't come here, you can see it on the uh, MS Arts uh, Facebook and watch it live. Also, right afterwards at 11 o'clock, we have a plant swap in the uh, outside. So if you want to bring a, a well-rooted plant or a potted plant, something that's ready to go, we'll have a real informal. It'll be a lot of fun, real, real informal. While you're here, you get a chance to walk around the max. Also, and I'll talk about this next week, we're having a plant swap in Hattiesburg on Sunday, next Sunday, which is uh, – uh, quick feller, find it. You got it here someplace on your on your phone here. Uh, here we go. Two o'clock on the eleventh, Sunday, October the eleventh. Two o'clock. This could be in Hattiesburg, a place called Chain Park. Chain Park is down by by uh, down by the Leaf River. We'll get more information about that. But Hattiesburg on Sunday the eleventh, two in the afternoon. Good social spacing. And uh, right after the, uh, I get done with my yard art talk at the Max tomorrow. Saturday, we'll have a plant swap out on the, the open patio about 11 o'clock. Uh, Java, we got time for other calls? Um, we can take Ted and uh, take County really quickly. Uh, wants to talk about his lemon tree. Okay, Ted, what's going on, man? We're almost out of time. Okay, real quick. Uh, I'm down on Pensacola Beach right now helping uh -huh. a, a very dear friend clean up after Hurricane okay. Sally. We're running out of time, man. She's got a lemon tree, I mean, a, a Myers a lime tree, or lemon tree, that is uh, only got a few green leaves left, and it's turning brown on the ends of the branches. Is there anything I can do to help save this? Yeah, uh, go in and thin some of the limbs out, the cluttered limbs. Don't leave a stub. And then whatever's left, thin a few branches off of the limbs that are left. And the energy that would have gone to what you cut off, We'll go to what's left. And make sure the trunk can not been hit with the lawnmower. All righty, man. Felder, this has been fun. Woo. You know, you telling me, I'm, I've had to hold my stomach in the whole time because i got an audience out there looking at me. Huh. But anyway, it has been fun here at the Max, folks. If you get a chance to come to Meridian, it's right downtown. Beautiful contemporary building. A lot of cool stuff. Got one of my bottle trees there. Uh, but also, I hope to see some of y'all at the plant swap uh, tomorrow right after the program. Meanwhile, folks, state fair is starting up. You know, they're going to be social distancing. They're going to be spaced out on the line for some of that that uh, that uh, roasted corn. But if you get a chance this week, you know, the farmer's markets are, are uh, up and running. Garden centers up and running. Take a kid. 
take a friend, take somebody to a place that shows how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Thank you, folks at the Max and the folks at MPB. We'll see you all next week.